Welcome to a Frugal Athlete Podcast, where we interview athletes, both current and former, on the prudent financial practices and smart career decisions they are making. In these episodes, we dive into what it means to be a frugal athlete. You might think that frugal just means being cheap, but as you will soon learn, being frugal is more complex than that. Hey, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of a Frugal Athlete Podcast. Today, we got a very special guest, a guest that I've been trying to get in contact with for the longest time to do this podcast. She has an amazing story, doing a lot of great things, both internationally and domestically. So we thought it would be great to have her on the podcast to get her insight on all things sport, all things playing overseas, all things managing your money, you know, both domestically and globally. But today we have Chiaka Ogbogu, fellow Nigerian, so I got to represent there. She's a professional volleyball player, represents the national team as well. Captain, leader, trendsetter. Chiaka, how are you doing today? I'm good. Finally glad that we got this figured out, but thanks for having me. No, thank you so much for making the time. Let's talk about it. You know, you're a busy lady. Talk about everything that you're currently up to. Um, So I'm currently playing in Istanbul, Turkey for a professional club called Vakitbank. This is my second season with them, but my third season, second year um, in Istanbul. So I'm here from... October through May is like the length of our season. And then I head back to the States where I spend most of my time in the States from May through end of September with the national team in California. Oh, that's amazing. Can you talk about Turkey as a culture, but then also like the volleyball culture? Is it similar to basketball players in the WNBA? They play in the WNBA and then off season, they go to like Russia or overseas. What's that? What's that like? Yeah, so it's, it's very similar. The only difference is we don't have yet, it's coming, um, a professional domestic league. So most of us who want to pursue volleyball post-college have to play overseas. Um, but the Turkish league is one of the strongest leagues in the world. Um, most of the European leagues are really strong. The Turkish league is, is like arguably one of the best. But um, in terms of Turkish culture, I think this is why... I've enjoyed my time here and I've wanted to stay here for so long. Turkish people are extremely inviting. They have a very like familial sense of environment or just sense of like how they communicate with other people. For example, how they um, address other people. Everyone, there's a Turkish word for it. It's like abla or abi, which means sister or brother. Mm -hmm. So even strangers you don't know. They address each other as brother and sisters. They have a very big, like, family sense of culture here, which I, it's, it's been something that I've noticed. Obviously, I'm a foreigner, and they can tell I'm a foreigner, but just mm-hmm. how they're able to, like, invite me into their culture has been really cool. Well, let's, let's rewind a little bit. So how did you get to Turkey and volleyball in the first place? Like, talk about your upbringing, you know, give us the, give us the spiel. Yeah, so my upbringing, so I'm a first-generation Americans. Both my parents were born and raised in Nigeria and then immigrated to America, met in America, got married, had me in my Oh, they met in America. They did. Yeah, they both met in New York. So um, once I was born, they moved to Dallas, which is where I've lived like my entire life, basically. Um, But I guess just I was like most kids like going through elementary, middle school, like you're involved in some sort of sport. Um, I didn't find volleyball until eighth grade, later in my years. Um, I was like being an athlete. I was doing basketball yeah. through middle school, through elementary school. 
Um, so once I started volleyball, I loved it and dropped all the other sports for it. Eventually earned a scholarship to play at University of Texas. Played there for four years, um, graduate, right before graduating professional volleyball or playing past that point was never really like something I envisioned, like be, coming from a Nigerian household. Like yeah. the next step is usually to go to like more school. <laughs> so that was that thing that was something I never entertained something my parents never really entertained but my um college coaches and former teammates like really pushed me to just try it um ended up getting an agent signing to uh play in Italy for half a season because I graduated early in December um long story short eventually made my way to Turkey on a different team but love the city so much and love the league so much that I want to stay even if it wasn't on that team and I found the team I'm currently on which I love and enjoy and it's my second season and I'm hoping to play more shout out to taking a chance on yourself and betting on yourself to you know continue to pursue a sport that may not be where it needs to be domestically but the great thing about volleyball is that it's a, it's a global game for sure yeah if I were to guess I wouldn't put turkey on the you know top of the list for investing in in volleyball specifically both men and women so the way you talk about it is really amazing to hear can you talk about the life of like an international volleyball player you're in one country for the season but then you come back to the states in california to prepare for the national team what's that like and how do you you know balance your personal life finances social life what what's that like to give some insight yeah. Um, well, it's not easy to balance any of those things. I'll tell you that. So for someone like myself, who's on the national team, who like has the honor to be on the USA national team, I basically don't have an off season. So I play seven. Most of us who are on the national team play six, anywhere from six to eight months out of the year overseas with our professional teams. And then we come home and we train and compete. There's other tournaments besides the Olympics. I mean, other people, most people only know that we compete in the Olympics, but we're competing every summer leading up to it. Um, for example, last summer with the national team, we had something called World Championships, which for us is like in the volleyball world, just as big as the Olympics, but probably yeah. in the sports world, like no one knows that we play in this. Um, so we had that last summer, this upcoming summer, we have Olympic qualifiers. So each year in what they call a quad is like a really big tournament that sets up your rankings for ultimately the Olympics. We obviously want to qualify this summer and then have a good ranking so that going into the Olympics, we're in a good pool and have good matchups that like obviously put us in the best position to win. Um, but as far as balancing everything, it's, difficult I will say when I'm over here I try to be really focused on just being here and being present and doing what I can to help these teams obviously for myself and for all professional volleyball players we make a bulk of our money overseas like this is mm -hmm. where we make probably 85 percent of our money um, with the national team not so much we get like stipends and then we have prize money for winning tournaments or meddling at tournaments but for most of us like our income comes from overseas so I try to be really present and focused while I'm here um, and then when I'm home obviously it's just time to like focus on uh, national team stuff but the balance is I feel like I have it a little bit down now like what helps is having visitors yeah. so I was talking to one of my friends the other day 
from now until the end of the season, which will be May, I have a visitor or visitors coming every month. So that helps like that's, that's, that's really break cool. up. Yeah, it also helps break up the season because yeah. the season can be a little long and a little grueling. And as long as you have like something to kind of look forward to besides matches, like it helps just like ease the um, feeling of being homesick, which is normal yeah. for my players. But it's... I wouldn't say I have it down perfect. I don't think anyone ever does, but I feel like finding that balance of getting rest and recovery while I'm here, especially on days off, if that means like traveling to another city in Turkey or another country, since traveling within Europe is super easy and a lot cheaper. Um, I'll and sure I heard Turkey's airport, uh, the uh, Turkey airport is amazing. Like it's nice. Yeah, yeah it's like brand new. I think like two, three years old. It's really nice. Okay. No, that's great insight. You know, you led us to a perfect segue. You know, you talk about the compensation as a volleyball player. Many would consider volleyball similar to like tennis or other sports, like a niche sport that has a cult-like following, but the investment is not where it needs to be. So can you talk about other ways that you or other volleyball players look to find additional streams of income? Yeah, that's a really good question. So for a lot of volleyball players, we have like brand deals or brand sponsorships. For myself, I'm a Nike athlete. Um, so I get like an income from Nike volleyball to wear the shoes to promote the uh, gear and all of that. And then a couple like promotional things throughout the year. Um, also have like a couple smaller uh sponsorships TIY is one of them it's a hair tie company and then um other ones sprinkled here and there are like one-time gigs but most yeah. of us have like either what we call like a shoe sponsorship which is like the Adidas the Nike the Puma and then like smaller brands here and there and do you work with like a management team or do you handle those things yourself I don't it's honestly very common for most players to handle it ourselves um, I know a couple players who do work through like agencies or have uh, managers for that. Um, but I do most of it on my own. Do you have any advice for an athlete that's looking to get brand deals, how to position themselves for opportunities that are similar to the ones that you've been able to acquire over the course of your career? Yeah, um, I would say word of mouth helps the most. Speaking to people who have been um, in your sport, who have been playing either in your position or in your field, whatever sport you play, um, speaking to them about how they acquired their brand deals. That's what I did. Um, speaking to other athletes, like, hey, do you have the contact information for Nike Volleyball? Um, what did it take for you to get sponsored by them? That's what I started doing. And then reaching out to whichever brand or company it is, obviously introducing yourself, telling a little bit about yourself and your achievements because they ultimately do want to see that like you're a high performing athlete yeah. but for the most part I think most of the companies just want to work with someone who they know can get eyes on whatever they're trying to sell so just kind of like setting yourself up in a way that like shows that you were able to promote whatever they're trying to sell no that's 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 really important and great advice for you know especially the athletes that are looking to monetize their name their image their likeness their brand whatever as it pertains to the brands that you look for obviously you said you get advice from people that have done it before but was there like any personal exercises that you do it's like identifying brands that you want to associate with or like all right i'm just gonna go and see who wants to work together and yeah i mean to be honest i so i started playing professionally in 2018 and i had no idea what i was doing in terms of brand sponsorships and i had no idea which direction to go in 
Um, and then we kind of had like a weird year with obviously COVID, COVID happening in the yeah. Olympics. So that kind of um, put a lot of things on hold, but I know going into, I hope to be at the next Olympics, going into that cycle, just figuring out, which I feel like I'm kind of doing now, like which brands I want to align with or which direction I want to go in, um, in terms of brand sponsorships, because I know usually around the Olympics is when brands start like contacting teams, especially the national teams, like which players, um, usually our marketing department, which players do they think will fit in this direction or which players are available for this. So I think this summer is for sure. And then next summer or going into next summer will be when I start thinking seriously about like where I want to align myself. Strategically timing ahead of the World Cup. I'm sorry, not the World Cup, the Olympics. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about, you know, the payment structure as, you know, a volleyball player playing overseas. You know, you mm -hmm. talked about the brand. Let's talk about how you handle personal finance. Got sprung into the professional ranks right out of college. How did you go about learning, you know, how to manage your money? Was it your parents? Was it trial and error? Was it learning from veterans in the game? Because I'd imagine it's like just jumping into the professional ranks. You want to get acclimated to the team. You want to make a good impression. But now you're getting paid and you're overseas, but then you're mm -hmm. in the States. How did you handle everything? Yeah, um, I would say it's a combination of like asking, well, not even asking my parents, it's <laughs> <and> like <laughs> inserting themselves into helping me figure it out. And then asking uh, former players, but it, it's a weird transition. You go from college to basically, I mean, now they have NIL, which yeah. amazing for them. I wish that was the thing when I was in school. Um, but back then making like next to nothing in college and then going to making like having an actual salary and income uh. and figuring out how to manage that. Um, I would say the first few years. So this is my going into my fifth year of playing professionally, I would say the first like three and a half, just um, my parents helping me set up um, like investment accounts, figuring out saving, um, working with the CPA because I play overseas and yeah. figuring out how to do taxes was a nightmare in the beginning, but I feel like I have it figured out now. Um, but I would say like the last year, um going in our post olympics like i wanted to take more responsibility with my finances and getting a financial advisor setting that up figuring out what investments and things i want to make in the next couple of years um and just like trying to educate myself as much as possible um with how i can basically just continue what i've been doing and then help make my money work for me in a way uh, real quick, you talked about NIL. You did go to University of Texas, a top mm -hmm. uh, premier school program, but specifically volleyball program. They have a great, a great team. In hindsight, how would you tackle NIL if you were, if you had the opportunity to? Right. Oh my gosh. See, and I was very blessed to go to a school like Texas that already has a lot of eyes on them. Like it's a notable sports school for so many different sports, especially volleyball. There's one. Mm -hmm. Shout out to my horns, but um, it's hard to say. I just, I feel like a school like Texas, a prominent D1 school, like I'm not going to say it's a little bit easier to get sponsorships, but I can imagine like a lot of brands have been like knocking down Texas doors, like wanting to communicate with a bunch of different athletes, especially coming from a school that has like a big football program, but also yeah. a really big volleyball program. 
I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I have no idea. When I think about it now, like how I would have handled it, I think they have, they had a little bit of time to prepare the athletes, but no, I would have hoped that it would have gone well. I, yeah. It was a thing when we were there. It was something <laughs> that we, as athletes, always said was, I think, a rule that I definitely didn't agree with. Like, we should have always been able to earn an income based off our likeness. So I'm glad yeah. that things finally changed, but I have no idea how I would have handled it. I feel like things would have taken care of them taking care of themselves. You were a top player For in sure. college. I know y'all think made the final four a couple of times. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I feel like things would have taken care of themselves. So that's great insight. Everything's in hindsight, but back into the, you know, personal finance and stuff, you mentioned like learning and stuff like that. Where do you, you know, get your information now? Like some of the resources that you use or, mm-hmm. or resources that you'd recommend for athletes to look into? Um, I would say YouTube, honestly, Uh, especially when it came to learning about um, taxes, especially taxes, when I make essentially an income in America and overseas, Um, Forbes, I feel like is always a good personally um, resource and tool just for learning the ins and outs. I think I feel like I learned a lot about saving through Forbes. and honestly, your platform, I think that's why I first started following you because I saw that you specifically were tailored towards athletes. So I felt like, okay, this is, we're people who kind of have like an unconventional um, way of earning money. So it's nice to learn from other athletes who are also in the same boat and learn about how they save, invest, or, you know, helping themselves out in the money world. Thank you so much. We did not pay her for that ad, but uh, I know this is a free, ad. <laughs> free free ad. So thank you, Chiaka, for that recommendation. But yeah, this is what a frugal athlete is all about. And I uh, really appreciate you coming on to share your story and how you navigate not only playing at the highest level overseas and internationally, but the different nuances it takes, you know, from taxes, handling that internationally to brand deals. So it really means a lot for you to come on as it pertains to you talked about things that you want to see from your portfolio moving forward. Do you have a specific like philosophy where it's like, all right, I'm going to focus on stocks and beefing up my brokerage account, or I want to get into real estate, or I want to create passive income strategies. Do you have a philosophy? Um, I would say all of you both, but mm-hmm. I, like I have a mutual funds account now. So I want to um, just continue working on like diversifying that. But honestly, a goal I have for myself for this year is getting into real estate. Um, I'm not necessarily giving myself like a time length where I need to accomplish this by, but I'm hoping to like get closer to getting my first investment in property by the end of this year, early next year. So that's been what myself and my financial advisor have been talking about the most. Um, especially while I'm overseas, just, um, I basically live out of a suitcase, like <laughs> not out of the, actually 12 months out of the year, because I'm not from California, but I live there during the summer. So it'd be nice to have also a place that I can earn money from when I'm overseas and in California, or if it's in California while I'm there too. That's a great insight. How do you handle like deal flow? I'd imagine, you know, being an international player, Olympian athlete, Captain, you know, people come to you for deals, opportunities, invest in our company or advise our company. Do you have like a, a criteria that um, that makes you make a decision of whether you're going to, whether you're investing in it or you're going to participate as an advisor? What does that look like? How do you say no? 
what qualifies you to say yes? Take us through that process. Yeah, that's a really good question. I would say um, for me, it helps going through like my unofficial like board, which would be like my parents. I feel like my dad is very financial savvy. So going through him, um, I do have a sports agent who helps me with um, negotiation when it comes to teams, but he's also very business minded. So I do go to him too for some financial advice and um, when it comes to other companies and then just figuring out if it aligns with like things I'm interested in. Um, I think that's number one. If I'm not necessarily interested in whatever the company is about, like that's an easy no for me. But if I am and there's still questions I have, like usually just going through parents, my agent, um, doing other research on my own just to figure out if it's a good fit. You know, now you're a veteran in the game, you know, five, six years pro. If you could tell young Chiaka coming out of college one piece of financial advice, what would it be? Ooh, I could tell Chiaka coming out of college one piece of financial advice. Um, it would have been probably to get with a financial advisor earlier. And I think that's something that I tell a lot of college girls who come to me about advice, um, just about teams, but I always make sure I throw in like, make sure you look into getting a financial planner or financial advisor. If you don't have one in your family, like look elsewhere, because I think I definitely could have started earlier when it came to investing one and two, this rental property or investment property that I'm now looking into. I can only imagine like what it could have been if I would have started like earlier on in my career, especially those who plan to play for a long time. I think getting started with all of that stuff as early as possible is only going to set you up even further um, going into your playing career. No, yeah, I, I love that advice. You know, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world, as Albert Einstein says. And the earlier you, you start, the better. Uh, you know, obviously, sports is a vehicle for everything else that we're going to do in our lives. And so the earlier we start, because uh, we never know when it could be taken away. So I think that's sound yeah. advice, you know, not to kind of be a Debbie Downer, but, you know, you've already exceeded expectations. You know, the average professional careers anywhere from four to six years uh you're going on you know six to seven years knock on wood but right. if all things <laughs> check out you know you'll be continuing to have a great career but obviously at some point all roads you know come to an end have you thought about things that you're passionate about passionate about outside of volleyball and what does that look like down the road yeah i mean I think, especially for volleyball, I feel like we think about this a lot. Before I knew that there were domestic leagues coming in to the States, I think in 2025 is when the first two will debut. Um, I had been thinking about this and I wouldn't have known this unless I played overseas and played for various different organizations and I've seen everything run from top to bottom. Um, but I think I'm most interested in the sport or the business side of sports, especially when it comes to like team ownership and team management. Um, I think one day it'd be really cool if volleyball really popped off in the States and was as big as it is overseas to be an owner of a club or organization um, and to see what that looks like. But then also something as of late that I've been interested in exploring, especially in these next few years when I'm in the States. Um, it's just media and sports, like the storytelling of brands like or companies like Uninterrupted and Together, just how they continue to like 
expand the knowledge of what we think athletes are and just expand like just the athlete's portfolio essentially just of who they are and what they stand for I think is really important um so I would say those two how about telling your own story do you have like a YouTube channel or anything like that where you like highlight some of the stuff that you got going on I do not it is something <laughs> people have told me that I should make um I'm more of a behind-the-scenes storyteller than an upfront oh, okay. storyteller, but I thought about it, and maybe, especially going into, um, I wish I would have had it going into Tokyo, because that would have been a really cool story to tell, and yeah. I thought about like, book writing later on in the future, but I think going into Paris Olympics, if I'm lucky enough to go, that's something that I'm definitely going to look into. Perfect. Well, we're going to hold you to that. Definitely excited for your future. I see great things happening, both on the field or on the court, off the court, as we let you leave, is there any any last thing that you would like to share with the audience, whether it's something that you got currently going on or a piece of advice or a book that they should read before we close out? Um, nothing besides invest in women's sports. I hey, think the past few years has told us anything. Women's sports are definitely on the rise, especially in the States. Playing overseas, I've seen so many different countries do it, and I think it's time that America does it themselves um so whether that's tuning into your local I don't know soccer basketball women's basketball volleyball then now that's now coming lacrosse there's so many different sports to be plugged into and there's so many different ways that your dollar can stretch to invest in these sports so I would just encourage everyone to do a little research especially in the area that they're living in and just continue to support and invest in women's sports that's that's great. That's great. And then, how can people connect with you, follow, uh, follow you, if if they want to? Yeah. Um. On Instagram, my username is at chiaka eleven, and then on Twitter, I'm at chiaka bago. So you can follow me on any of those two platforms. I'm not really on TikTok. I have one, but I don't want to post. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, perfect. Well, there you have it, folks. Shiaka Bogu, international star, volleyball player, all around great person. I want to appreciate her for taking the time to get on the podcast, get on the show, because she is a busy lady, you know, overseas, there's a time difference and, you know, trying to you know, finish out the season as they prepare for the off season. But even though she doesn't have an off season, we really appreciate you for the time. Make sure you check her out. We're going to have all her information in the show notes. Once again, Chiaka, really appreciate you. Look forward to, you know, following your progress and, you know, maybe connecting, collaborating on a few things down the road. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much. All right. That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure you please subscribe. If you are watching on YouTube, if you're listening on audio, please rate, uh, it helps us continue to get great guests on the show. We always appreciate the feedback. But with that being said, we'll catch you guys next week. Thank you for tuning in to this podcast episode. For more information, check out the show notes and go to our website, www.aprilglasses.com. If you enjoyed, please leave a favorable rating and review and share and subscribe. Thank you so much.